0: Welcome to Chief Evangelist. I'm your host, Ethan Butte. I'm on a mission to explore and understand the role of the Chief Evangelist and the movement behind it. How should founders, investors, and C-suites be thinking about it? How does it benefit the company? Which companies and markets need evangelism most? What does the work involve? What does success look like? And who's a good fit as a Chief Evangelist? That's what we're exploring at ChiefEvangelist.com and in conversations like this one, which is brought to you by Ringmaster Conversational Marketing and their evangelist-powered podcasting package. Learn more at ringmaster.com. Today we're learning from the Chief Evangelist at Lucid Software, creators of the visual collaboration suite of Lucid Chart, Lucid Spark, and Lucid Scale. He's an advocate of Agile and a certified Scrum Master. He spent years with companies like Citigroup and Accenture, the themes throughout collaboration, facilitation, teamwork, and culture. Brian Stallings, welcome to Chief Evangelist.
1: Ethan, thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here and I'm really looking forward to our conversation and the things we're going to get up to.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, and I just want to share before we get going and before I ask you the standard opener, one of my very favorite pieces of content I created and I still use in most of my decks, I created in Lucidchart. Uh, so uh, it, it's it's what happens when we get a human being's attention and how do we drive that to trust primarily in a digital environment is so this huge map of if-thens and it's <clears> like colorful, it's pretty, it makes sense to people I can walk through. It's fantastic. So standard opener, in your view, Brian, what is the most important job of a chief evangelist? Well,
1: um, having watched your podcast, I knew you were going to ask this question. And I thought about this a bit, Ethan. And really, I think the most important job of a chief evangelist is to believe, really to believe in the value proposition and the impact that you know, is possible. And for me, that belief comes from empathy, having felt it, having experienced it, knowing what it's like intimately not to have the solutions that we're trying to build for our customers. And it really creates a deep awareness that, that I want to help change for others. Like, like I experienced that same change. So I think it's that belief and that knowing that you have to share it and help. And I think that's the job.
0: Yeah, it's really good. I think um, it brings, it has that emotional component that brings people along. Um, What I heard also in your response, there was a little bit of that, I am you, or I have been in your seat, or I have been in your shoes, this idea that um, it's not a manufactured empathy either. Um, So it's this real, it's a real thing. And so it's more sincere and easier and natural to convey.
1: Right. It, um, I think it comes from that, the heart Really, because not only do I get to talk about the solution, but I get to work with our product teams and influence how it gets built so that we can solve those challenges that I've seen out in the field.
0: Love it. I love that you're involved in products. So we're definitely going to get there, but I'd love for you to start a little bit higher level. Sure. Share with folks like talk about Lucid a bit, the company, the state of the market. Um how old are we in this this, uh, segment of the market or this market in general? I guess categories is language that we would use around like online visual collaboration. Just give a high level view of like, what's Lucid about and what's the state of the markets leading into this idea that evangelism is useful and necessary here?
1: So Lucid's about 11 years old and we're the leader. And I think category creator really in this space that you mentioned visual collaboration right? We help teams to see and build the future. We help teams get an idea, see that idea and bring that idea to reality. And um, so in that time, we've grown. We have about 60 million users across the globe. And you named our three products, right? Lucid Chart, it's an intelligent diagramming solution. And you described an excellent use case for how you might use it. Lucid Spark, which is a collaborative whiteboard solution, but much more than that, um, that really helps teams to come together, collaborate, and enjoy their work together. And Lucid Scale, which helps us to visualize cloud solutions, cloud applications, and their implementations. So we help those teams to um, clarify what's complex and collaborate visually, no, no matter where they're located around the world. And I've been there about two years.
0: Okay. Um, and so, what, I mean, I am kind of asking you to to walk out the obvious, but like, what's new about being able to do this digitally and collaboratively that makes evangelism necessary?
1: Yeah. Uh, So I think a lot of people got acquainted with some very basic applications during COVID, for example. So yes, I can see people and I can share something on the screen. Maybe we can add some sticky notes to it. But the solutions that we're creating go far beyond that. And really, we think that this is the future of work. You know, being old enough as I am, I, I remember how much we used to collaborate just with text on paper. That was like light years ahead of what we used to do prior to that, right? and And now we're making that other leap far beyond that, where we can really come together in 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 collective and and intelligent ways, saving ourselves so much time. In order to share ideas, come together, make a decision, um, have alignment around the idea, uh, there's so much power that's possible.
0: Yeah. So um, for you, why do you think, because where I am in my head and the reason I'm struggling to get it out is like, I've got a few ideas that are intersecting here. One of them is this idea of 60 million users around the globe. You don't get to 60 million users around the globe without some degree of, um, contagion, I think the language we're using for it is product led growth. This idea of, you know, any collaborative software is better when there are five people than when there are two, you know, in a group. Yeah. Um, so, so it's got this kind of, uh, I hate the term, but it's got like a virality or a product led aspect to getting, cause you don't hand sell 60 million seats. Um, and, and I assume you're not selling them in blocks of a million, although I'm sure you have some very, very large accounts, yeah. um, why, well, this is my long build up to, you know, if the product itself has benefits from people inviting other people, and I'm sure, and I know from using it, the product experience allows you to invite other people into the experience. Why a human being assigned to the idea of evangelizing this future of work? I know that's a really big question, but like in your experience and in your mind, what are the benefits of a human being being tasked with helping spread this point of view about the future of work and the importance of uh, digital collaboration and visual collaboration? Well,
1: I think what what I bring in the conversation that I have with customers, for example, is, is creative application, right? We find that customers love and invite others into the product, but they may not really understand the extent to which they can apply the product. For example, we were you mentioned Agile. There are customers who might understand that, well, we can get everybody together and do a quarterly planning, and then they may not come back to the product until the next quarter. But when I start to talk to them and tell them stories and show them examples, I was a user long before I came to Lucid. They start to say, oh, my goodness, we could use this in so many ways we hadn't considered, and it becomes a daily thing that they're using after that. And you really can't convey that except through storytelling and demonstration and examples and then it becomes viral, right, for folks.
0: Yeah, I love that you've already forecasted where we'll go in a couple of minutes, which is this, um, you've talked about working internally. You've also talked about collecting and supporting customer stories. I can absolutely empathize with what you shared there. Like, so in our space, video messaging at BombBomb, Um, you know, a lot of folks come to it, a lot of it's being bought and sold and a lot of virality around it is around sales applications, specifically prospecting, but it's literally the tip of the iceberg. Any message people are sending may include a video message and it might really benefit from it. But to your point, they've come to it in a particular way and they view it in a particular way. And there are lots of means of broadening people's perspectives so that we can, uh, generate buy-in, generate some excitement, and get them to change their behavior. You've mentioned two things that tee up kind of what I would love to hear about, which is you said you've been there for about two years and that you were a customer or a user before you joined the company. Talk a little bit about that. How did they find them? Or sorry, how did you find them? Or how did they find you? Uh, and is this the first evangelist role in the organization? Like what 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 were you and they trying to solve by putting you in this position?
1: Mm. yeah, good question. It is an interesting story how I came to the company right. Uh, so help pull that out of me um so I was a user of visual collaboration tools beforehand and um, I had used all of the competitors and I hadn't really heard of anything other than lucid chart, but I was mostly using the canvas products as a consultant um and um, There was a need that I saw in the product that didn't exist in any of the products, and I didn't have any real connection with any of the executives who could help make that product a feature, Um, except I had this LinkedIn connection to Dave Groh. He's now the CEO of Lucid. He was the COO at the time. I didn't know him personally, but I had seen a message from him about how great it was as an executive to have uh, to work in an industry where it could have a non-negotiable like baseball practice with his son on Thursdays at 3:30 it just seemed like the kind of message that should be elevated by somebody whose mission it has been to to bring humanity back to the workplace that's really what i've seen as my personal mission so i just championed his message and said something to elevate it uh, on linkedin and next thing you know he had contacted me and um a few months later i saw that contact say i just I'm happy to announce this new product, Lucid Spark. And so I was like, what's Lucid Spark? <laughs> so that was really my first introduction to the product. And so I sent him a feature suggestion through LinkedIn, and he contacted me and said, let's talk about it, which turned into an interview. And then that was full court press until I was inside as an employee. And you asked, you know, is that really the first evangelist? I think Dave still is an evangelist. I think my colleagues are evangelizing, but I think I'm the first person who's ever had that title, right? And my my passion is to try to turn other employees into evangelists as well.
0: Love it. I wanna talk a little bit about that tactically, but first I would love for you, because it's a shared value, although you're more focused and explicit about it than I've been, I think it's just something I, I appreciate about the way you expressed it that I could relate to, which is bringing humanity back to the workplace. Let's. I, I know it's a little bit off course, but I think it's because it's so important to you believing and helping others believe. I think this is fundamental to your personal mission. It's probably part of what brought you into lucid. Just talk about that at a high level. Like you and I are both, you know, decades into our career. What have you seen over the past couple few decades that brought this top of mind for you such that you would declare it as kind of a personal mission? Like, where were we? Where are we? What are some of the missing elements? Like what's, what's gone sour or what is, stands to be improved in the way that we're working so that we need to say something like, because it's sad and exciting at the same time to hear bringing humanity back to the workplace. Just share a little bit about that. How did that become so important to you? And, and what are some of the factors that are driving it?
1: Well, it became a big passion for me when I learned about Agile agile software development, right? And and I learned about it in 2003, and I was working in an organization where we dramatically changed the way we worked when we brought in um, empowered teams, teams that had something to say about the way that they worked, um, and where we focused on building those teams that could really take ownership of their work, make decisions together, and as leaders, we started getting out of the way of the teams and focusing on removing impediments that were in the way of the teams. So that became a passion for me because, you know, as a guy in projects for all those times in places like Citibank, it was just heartbreaking to work the way we had in the past—to give your weekends up, to give your evenings—and then find that little value resulted in the end. Right. So that's that's where that started, and I found that when I could help clients transform and and do better, work better, that their lives became better, right? If your job is better every day, you go home and you love your family easier, you kick the dog less, you have fewer heart attacks and divorces, and like, look at all the good that we can do if we can make work better. So that's been my focus all these years.
0: So good. I really appreciate it. Now it makes me understand how well you connected with that post about, being at uh, a son's baseball game. Um, okay. So you two connect, you have this conversation uh, you're being drawn into the organization. Um, what was the concept of the role at the time? Was it always chief evangelist or was it something else that you wound up naming chief evangelist? Like how did, like, well, talk t- about the title I'll... and the role and how that formed from the initial conversation.
1: Yes. Okay. So yeah, um... In that meeting was the chief marketing officer as well. And, um, and the thing that he said to me that got me addicted about the idea of coming to Lucid was, he said something like, you know all this stuff that you've been doing as a consultant for all these years, working with executives to help transform their organizations. You've been doing that at a very high daily rate that only certain t- organizations can afford. We want you to come here and we want you to give away all that good stuff for free. And and as somebody who's trying to change the world for the better, an invitation to come in and have a platform to do thought leadership and to work with organizations, I mean, our products are amazing, but in reality, people need skills and competencies to collaborate with others in addition to the products. And that's where my sweet spot is. So I can help you learn about facilitation. And if I can work with, you know, such a great team as we have to really, you know, expand that message so that everybody could receive it. That's, that's a change that I was down for. So yeah, from day one, it was come in, be, be that evangelist. And um, it was really my first job in a marketing team, Ethan. And so I'm still learning a ton. And as long as I'm learning a ton, I'm loving my work.
0: Awesome. That tees up this idea. I would love to kind of get into at least a little bit of depth on what success looks like. You already conveyed that you're structured inside marketing. How closely do you work with marketing? You mentioned that, um, you know, you're working a bit with product development or, uh, you know, product owners and managers probably, um, to, to maybe guide or provide feedback or insights from the market back into the organization. So I guess to turn that into a question and give you a little bit of direction instead of 10 things to talk about, um, how, talk about how uh structured how are you structured in the marketing team and how are you tasked do you get to generate a lot of your own work is it kind of a co-collaboration are you honoring part of a broader marketing strategy just talk about the marketing piece a little bit um i mean you need to sit in the organization a little bit but are you just there kind of for the sake of payroll and the the org chart and you're a free agent or or are you tied into marketing at some level
1: okay great question i um there's so much variety in what I get to do. Um, so so yeah, I'm on the CMO's team, right? I'm part of that leadership group. And um, I work closely with teams like our content team. And we produce thought leadership that goes out in lots of different ways. Um, some of that goes out as video. So we have a creative team that I work closely with. We have a PR team and a lot of thought leadership that goes out to publications goes through that work. And um, in addition to that, I get to spend time with the product organization I mentioned, you know, sometimes it's look at this UX flow and give us ideas about what you're curious about and how you might use it. Or sometimes it's, how does this work out in the world? We've never been in the shoes of the users, but you have. And then I get to work with our sales and customer support teams to really tell stories to customers and um, talk about how to solve their pains and listen to the challenges they face. So, um, so yeah, it's just so many different places. It makes every day different. and um,
0: yeah, I love it. Awesome. And I can feel that from you because it's I love the way this is all layered in from your personal mission all the way through um, you know, scaling things that you care about and, and representing um, not just a product, but also values that you you know that resonate very deeply with you. This is a very specific question. Sure. Talk to me because it's come up a number of times. Mine is typically ad hoc. Like I'll make myself available to people and some CSMs will engage me on a somewhat consistent basis. Others I never hear from. Same thing with salespeople. Some will, you know, ask me casually for thoughts, feedback, strategy, approach. Others will directly connect me to customers and a couple of them really don't do that. Um, How And we're a much, much smaller organization than you are. So how formal is the process to engage with sales and and CS uh, folks? Do they have like, do they request you? Is there like a formal process? Like how how do you get engaged with them? And um, it sounds like it's at multiple stages. So I think we'll just take that as a wherever people feel like you're needed and could be valuable, they bring you in. But what does that process look like functionally?
1: You know, I remember when I started, my RCMO said, be careful because you're suddenly going to become everybody's favorite collaborator on their sales call. And so at first, the request was, um, you know, if there's an opportunity with a client, let's work it through a senior sales leader who can make decisions about where we should have you spend your time. Um, And so the requests were infrequent, I think, at that point, right? And it was just me, so it was plenty for me to work on. But um, over time, I got to know more and more people. And so now requests come in sometimes more than I can handle. And I'm actually thinking about how do I better formalize things, Ethan, because it can get a little chaotic. And I I love to say yes, not no. Um, so I would say a lot of times um, it comes through building relationships. And And I teach some internal classes. And as I got to know people through these classes, then suddenly they're like, oh, I know who you are. You're not a stranger to me anymore. Could we work together? And that's often, you know, those relationships are often how I work with with internal sales teams as well.
0: Super, so it's still pretty ad hoc and you're in the process of like, I like to say yes all the time, but I can't afford to. And so I need to figure out a process. It's so good. I've, I've been in and out of that zone myself quite a bit and yeah. you, know, you actually just did another great job of teeing up somewhere i wanted to go which was these workshops you know when we connected uh, a week or so back you mentioned that you were doing workshops and it's like oh that's interesting like i will sometimes uh, if i have a new idea or a new um framework or something like that i'll just call like a um a voluntary lunch and learn type session that i'll invite the entire company to and you know depending on uh, what how it falls in the month or the season, you know, I'll have you know differing amounts of people there also depends on the topic a little bit. But this is heavyweight. You're talking about like five-day workshops in some cases. Right. Talk a bit about your internal curriculum and these internal workshops. How did that shape up? What are you trying to do with it? And maybe um what what are some of the benefits of um your approach so far? Sure. Besides so, so- people feeling like they know you and reaching out and engaging you with customers.
1: Right. So um, you mentioned this in the introduction. So I've been what's called a certified scrum trainer for 17 years. So um, that means for all that time, I've been teaching curriculum about software development and um, how to be effective as a team. Um, And it's it's a course that carries a credential, right? And so having taught that all this time, when I came to Lucid, I realized there were so many people who didn't understand how teams build. And if we're a product that's that's to help teams build and see the future, right? See, sorry, see and build the future. Then um, it helps if we understand really how the building happens. So I started offering these classes. So one is specifically about Scrum for teams. And the other one is about the role of a product leader within an agile team. And the way they're structured is I teach them five days in a row, once a month, and they're about a half day long. And so people get um, quite a lot of learning and they, 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 get that credential, they certify by the end of the class. So now I see people all the time having conversations and saying the things that I learned in class, I was able to talk to the customer about. This mystery is like, I understand it so much better. And not only that, but at home on Saturday, my family and I made a backlog of what tasks needed to be done. And it's working for me at home as well, right? So lots of great benefits um, from these workshops.
0: It's awesome. It's a, it all that also ties back to the beginning where you're like people are doing this one thing, but they can do so much more. Same thing right. with that, John Scrum. Um, I, I guess before we go forward, um, just out of courtesy for folks that aren't super familiar with these concepts, um, I think a lot of people are, but also a lot of people aren't. Um, give us a little bit of definition uh, around Agile and then around Scrum. Just give the basics, like what is this? Why does it matter? How is it different than the way people were doing things before?
1: So the way we used to build products back when I worked at Citibank was very like prescriptive. You had to do certain steps in a certain order, and most of that was you did a lot of planning up front before you ever built anything. And then you built the whole product at once and then shared it with your customer. And that might take a year. And by that time, your customer's like, wait a minute, what I asked for a year ago, I don't need the same thing anymore because the world has changed. And that's where I mentioned like it broke our hearts to have spent our nights and weekends building something that our customers didn't love. So as things got more and more complicated, we started looking at how do we work in a way that addresses the change, the complexity? And this is where agile practices started to emerge. And so agile is about that ability to be um, nimble and flexible and, and we change along the way, right? We work in small increments that in Scrum we call sprints, and maybe it's two weeks long. And then we check in and get feedback. How are we doing so far? We get a little bit of feedback and we say, okay, we'll work another couple of weeks. How is this looking so far? And allows us to steer. You know, it's kind of like thinking about taking a sailboat offshore. You don't just set the course at the beginning and sail for, you know, hours or weekend and assume that you're going to get to your destination. You're making constant course corrections. And agile is all about helping teams be able to do that. I think, one other thing we mentioned, Ethan, is it's also not about somebody up on high driving and directing, but it's about empowering the teams to see what they need to build, working closely with the customer and making those changes along the way. So it's a dramatic change in how we work. And uh, it's one that's brought that humanity back to the workplace, the joy back. And um, so it's something that I'm evangelizing right here as well, I think.
0: Awesome. And I I would just assume... That in the two years that you've been inside the organization and doing these workshops, you've probably seen a lot of teams adopt it um, that may not be doing it in other organizations that don't have a resource and a an evangelist like you. Hey, thanks for listening to Chief Evangelist. For so many reasons, podcasting is a great opportunity and channel for evangelism. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to shift production and promotion to a team that's especially evangelist friendly, check out Ringmaster.com. Their Connect Engage Scale program is designed for evangelist-powered podcasting for software and tech companies in the growth stage. Again, you can learn more at Ringmaster.com. They're also the team behind this podcast. Speaking of Chief Evangelist, let's get back to it. You know, that's
1: it's a really... Great observation. So Lucid software teams have been doing it Agile before I joined, but all these other parts of the organization wanted to start learning how to do it, right? So I have more than 50% of my participants have been from sales or the revenue side of the organization. And I'm hearing things like, oh, our CS team is now using sprints in order to organize our work or marketing teams are trying this out, or even our talent acquisition team has gone crazy and, and they're doing things with Agile. And, and they're doing them in our products, which is amazing too. Uh, and so it's been really great.
0: It's awesome. Yeah. It, I mean, product and dev have been very familiar with these concepts for a long time. Agile marketing has been more common as a term, certainly more common than talent acquisition or sales agility. Um, that's awesome. It's wonderful to hear. How, this is a slightly, this is a different direction. Um, how do you know you're being successful? like what, what does a good day or a good week or, or or like when you, you know, finally take a week off and go create some distance and you maybe find yourself reflecting at some point because none of us can truly unplug, at least not immediately from our work. Like when you, when you reflect on some period of time, a day, a week, a month, a quarter, whatever um, what does success look like to you and how specifically measured is that? Or is it not at all? Because, last thing, I know I ask layered questions and I qualify the heck out of them. And I'm about to about to finish this one that way too. Um, You know, it, it sounds like you were recruited in by a CEO and a CMO that clearly saw value in your point of view about the world, your ability, what you've been doing. So this sounds like one of those high trust environments that doesn't necessarily call for, I need to see the activities and I need to see the results. And so where are you on that scale from You know, very specifically measured success to it just feels successful, and we're getting a lot of positive signs and positive feedback. And, you know, people are requesting my time and they're saying good things about it. So, this all feels good to everybody, and we're just going to keep going.
1: Well, um, great question. It's something I think about a lot, really, because um, I meet regularly with, with our chief marketing officer. And my goal there is to be as transparent as possible about what I'm doing. And um, and then, you know, make it so that he can see and steer if he sees the need to. And so that relationship is really what uh, helps me make choices, I ask for ideas and the like. Um, and then I pay attention to a few things um, that he's asked for, like he's interested in a few things about how much I'm speaking and how much thought leadership goes out. And so I track those things and share that information with him. There's not a lot of formality beyond just having a conversation regularly that's transparent. So when, when I think about success, what I look for are others that are expressing and evangelizing the things that I've been sharing and um, efforts that I'm involved in or things that I think will be important in the future when they start to get picked up and, and they, they become widespread. And there's some of those things that are happening. And then finally, just the feedback from customers Um, to be able to share with a customer and blow their mind and have them want to sign up um, or share licenses with others uh, really is um, another metric that I look at. So those are the things that I pay attention to.
0: Awesome. And it sounds really about right. It sounds consistent with a lot of other folks where it's difficult to say, I did this, therefore that happened. Um, but there are some things we can pay attention to. And then there are also some, th- that qualitative feedback I think is really interesting too. Um, how, I um, you mean, you've mentioned a couple of times and you've already just shared a few examples, but this making other evangelists, right? And I can I can hear this being broader community members, maybe as customers, certainly there's evangelism of uh, of Scrum and Agile internally. I've heard that. Um, we, you're evangelizing and other people are, you know, visual collaboration in general. Um, is there anything you look for to say, oh, look, there's a new evangelist. Is it just someone it, you know, in my mind, it could be something like someone using language that you use all the time or a metaphor that you use all the time to help someone understand, like, what are a couple of the signs where, you know, that you've lit someone else's torch and they're carrying it forward?
1: Yeah, I think you're right on that. Those are two great examples. Um, So I shared earlier an example of, sometimes we help people understand that these products could be vital to your day-to-day work. Why only try to solve a problem when the problem's really, really large? See the value that would happen when it's just within your team. So for example, I talk oftentimes about how teams are, after COVID, we're still the same people. We're still working on the same problems you know, so this, the, the who is the same, the what is the same, the why is the same, but we don't have a where. The where is gone, right? Where so many of us are working remotely or with teams that are distributed. And so Lucid Spark has become the digital where for people. And so I talk about that message all the time. I show people an example of what your Lucid Spark board could look like. And suddenly it catches on fire. Like you said, it's like, it becomes a torch and you start to see it everywhere. And you start to see your simple idea became so much more beautiful (laughs) when people elaborated on it. And so that's an example of, um, when you've got an idea and you say, this is something people should pay attention to. And then it pops up everywhere.
0: Really good. So, uh, this, this category, you know, you're 11 years in as an organization, um, And I would say we're similar. Uh, Our company was legally founded in 06 before the iPhone existed. So the idea of video email in 2006 was absolutely forward-looking. And the market has come around a little bit. We have a lot more competitors uh, than we did. A lot of them are very, very well-funded. There are hundreds of millions of dollars that have come into the video messaging space um, there are a few blocks to keeping it moving forward. And so I guess that's my question for you is, as you think about all of the work that you're doing, the future orientation, some of the thought leadership that you're doing as you're trying to advance the category as a leader, what are a couple of the impediments or blocks in the way of Lucid's view of the world and your view of the way people should, should work better um, collaboratively online, what are a few of the blocks? like what are the what are a few of the of the impediments that if you could get more people to understand or believe or behave differently, we would make a lot more progress as a you know digitally working community?
1: Yeah, that's a such a great question. I'm thinking about it um, even as I probably start to talk about it. Sure, great. yeah. One thing is uh, you know, we're just not used to the way that we need to work in the future. For example, being really good at choosing when we're going to meet and when we can work asynchronously is a thing that we're all trying to figure out. Some people have really leapt ahead and they become really great at defining what's a successful way to mix the two. And others are still stuck in meeting hell, really. I mean, meeting all the time, all day long, and they don't get a moment to work. So there are things like that, that tools like Lucid um, Spark and Lucid Chart allow you to do that you just don't have a lot of experience with. And so it's the stories that we start to tell, it's the examples that we start to show that help people say, Oh, let's try that out, right? So, but that's change. That's change and change is hard for us as people, and it takes time. Um, and so we're making progress little by little. That's the first part that I'm thinking about your question.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, this idea of when to be, I mean, this is it. I mean, I think all of us especially people that are kind of plugged in, spending time on LinkedIn, investing themselves through podcasts and other content, book reading, you know, reading, leading journals and things like that. Um, You know, we all know the pieces that are on the table, but I think one of the roles that we can play as evangelists is one that you just walked out there as simple as it's hard to know when to, when to work synchronously and when to work asynchronously because there are benefits to to both and they both have different strengths and weaknesses and just because we've had this ratio of synchronous to asynchronous throughout our careers and it's just baked into our rhythm and our expectations and our norms and we take it for granted right. if we can create a little bit of, bit of belief about being reflective before we schedule that meeting and put it on eight people's calendar um that kind of thing it's it's really good i that's a that's a fantastic response I don't expect that you expected to be a chief evangelist. I bet five years ago, you weren't like, I know what I'm going to (laughs) do. I'm going to be a chief evangelist. And you've obviously been um, exposed to and uh, obviously actively participating in what it can be. And you're doing it alongside a couple of leaders that had a vision for it. And so with that, I'd love to know any thoughts you have for other executives or leaders or founders who are doing, let's just generically bucket as innovative work, doing something that is, you know, uniquely new that may lend itself to evangelism. How should other leaders and executives perhaps be thinking about um, when or whether or even who with regard to evangelism? Hmm.
1: Well, it's an interesting question um, because I feel like once I understood the role, I realized I'd been evangelizing, um, you know, for the last 17 years. So um, finding something that people didn't have that would make their lives and their work so much better, and then introducing it to them and helping them through the change curve till they could really own it. Um, and then when I realized that, I thought, okay, well, I can talk about visual collaboration, I can talk about team collaboration, I can talk about all of these things that are part of what what I do now and it feels so connected to what I used to do and so what you're asking like what technologies I think AI is a big thing that we're trying to figure out that we see people evangelizing Um, I think things like virtual reality we're still trying to figure out um, you know um, I'm still trying to learn about blockchain and so I talk to people about how these new technologies are coming and sometimes I do that kind of evangelism as well, right? Having worked in technology organizations for not, almost two decades, people will ask me, "Well, what is digital transformation? What is agile transformation? What is cloud migration?" And I've had opportunities to evangelize those topics internally, because oftentimes those are the those are the um, engines that drive the adoption of new technologies. And so you want your organization to understand them and see how they're a part of our customers' lives, and Maybe they've never lived out there in technology organizations. So that's another area that I do evangelism about. So I follow evangelists for that same reason.
0: Yeah, really good. I mean, what you made me think about, especially with the examples that you listed off there, um, I, I think, and I'll ask for your experience on this too, I feel like I've experienced some degree of credibility and authority around those emergent fields. But I've also experienced a lot of what feels like BS or hype or like I'm not so sure that this person's motivations or even that their understanding are how they're presented to be. Like, it feels like early stage stuff is ripe for um, potential manipulation. I think we're all looking for, and by that I just mean people steering the conversation in a self-serving, perhaps not fully um, mutually beneficial direction. I think when we sense someone with a degree of credibility or authority, we maybe assign them an evangelist role in our minds without necessarily calling them that.
1: Yeah. Uh, what comes to mind as you talk about that is the first time I heard anybody talk about the metaverse. And I was like, I think somebody's setting themselves up for a future business here. Um, but, you know, people thought that probably when they first heard about the internet. <laughs> so it's hard to know what the future will bring. I just am a curious person, I think. And so I try to take in what I can and understand it and, and try to help simplify that for others.
0: Love it. I mean, that's, that's another essence of evangelism. Take what you're learning out of pure natural curiosity and simplify it. So other people can understand really well done Um, advice for other people who find yourself or want to put themselves in a situation that you were in a couple of years ago. Uh, Someone that's like, I, I haven't done evangelism work, or I perhaps even not that evangelism is marketing, but you know, a lot of the, I am, and you are, and a lot of the other folks that have been on the show are positioned adjacent to, or even within marketing. I report to a CMO as well. Um, For someone that hasn't done this nature of work, but are really equipped and prepared, and, and they have the experience and expertise and passion and curiosity to be doing it. Like, what have you learned over the past couple of years that you would share with someone that has approached you in one of these two ways? Hey, I just got approached and someone wants me to become their evangelist for this thing. Or, um, gosh, I feel like I could be a really good evangelist. Like, what are, some, what are some things you would share with them or perhaps even questions you would ask them to guide their thought or exploration of whether or not it fits for them?
1: And so I think passion is a big thing. You mentioned that and curiosity. Um, so those are big pieces that we've already talked about. For me, I think it's important to be able to live in the customer's shoes, whether that's because you've worked in that industry or you've had those roles like I have, or if it's just that you spend time out there with the customers and you hear them and you empathize with their situations and you try to enable their successes. And then I think you tell stories. Um, And I think we all probably study how to be better storytellers in this role because it's the unique way to really get across the emotion and the reality of what's happening um, and how we might need to consider solving it. Uh, and then it, it comes down to winning hearts and minds. I think, I think some of the best evangelists that, that I've seen or that I work with are the ones that do that torch igniting right through their conversation and their obvious support, empathy, um, camaraderie for the individuals that are trying to support. It's like, you care about what we're trying to do here and you're trying to make it better for us. And that wins hearts and minds, I think. Uh, And it just lights, lights the place up. Like nobody does that for us, but you're here to do that for us.
0: Yeah. I love it. it. This is all subconscious and constant. We're all looking for this. And when we find it, we know it when we find it. Um, and I, and I sensed it from you just as we started getting going on some of these themes and topics. Um, last question before my standard closing question, which I love, and I've learned so many different things about different people through it. Um, and I think you probably already know it's coming too. I want to talk about both sides of, you know, I think we connect and communicate and light people up and learn. And what I'm teeing off here is your, your mention of, really spending time with the customer and understanding the customer, especially if you haven't been the customer. So for example, I do a ton of work with people in the spaces of um, mortgage, financial advisory, insurance. I've never sold those products. I've I've bought or sought sought those types of services before. So I need to like immerse myself in their situation, not having been in their situation so that I can prescribe and really discover diagnose and prescribe you know, where and how video messages can can be beneficial for them. So the question is, how often are you getting out physically to spend time with people because it comes at the expense of things like baseball games It like comes both, It like it cuts both ways. It's like, it's super, super valuable for that customer empathy and learning and understanding. How do you um, look for, create, or evaluate opportunities to, you know, fly halfway or all the way across the country or perhaps to another continent?
1: The way that our products work allow us to spend time with customers instantaneously, right? And we can be um, collaborating with them within moments. And the products really create a really rich environment to do that. However, there are times where I really wanna be with a client because something significant is happening and we wanna celebrate that with them or we have an opportunity to have a conversation that it's really the best way to have that conversation. Uh, and so those are places that I really look for guidance within our team, and talk about okay, what's the opportunity here, and and we're always looking for um, how to achieve the best value, and is this the best way to spend our time or not? Um, so I think I think you hit it on the head. If if I was new to a lot of these roles, I'd be out there in the field a lot more, but because I have that experience, I'm trying to spread that knowledge as much as I can with others. Yeah. So hopefully that's a good mix and hopefully I'm hitting the right the right mix of value.
0: Yeah, it sounds right. You're definitely thoughtful about it and that's the key to I think at least moving towards success. Sounds right to me. Um before I let you go, I, this has been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. I Thank appreciate you. your perspective. I'm so glad you found them and they found you because I do feel like you're in the right seat. Um, Thank you. What is something, Brian, that you have found yourself or perhaps even been accused of by someone close to you of evangelizing in your own personal life? And let's maybe set Agile agile, and Scrum to the side because that bleeds probably both into both. But like, what's something that you're really passionate about that you find yourself telling other people about?
1: This is a little bit of a personal story, which I think, Okay. right. Um, so I'm the father of four neurodivergent kids, right? My wife is a, a family therapist. She works with autistic kids and, and the like, I have two autistic kids. I have four kids that have ADHD. I have two that are um, dyslexic. I have four kids total. So a lot of them have multiple challenges and. Um, and so I write about that some. I spend a lot of time in the schools and trying to help my kids. They're all successful, high performing kids, but they have their challenges. And I maybe, especially my wife, she teaches me so much, they we maybe understand those more than teachers or school administrators or you know, leaders of youth clubs or things like that. And so we spend some time on that. But lately I've been writing about it because I realize I've been around people with those challenges, maybe a little bit on the spectrum or a little bit OCD in, in technology organizations for decades. And so I started thinking, I've learned these things at home and I'm going to try them at work. And, um, or I've learned something at work that I'm going to apply at home. So for example, um, I work with my son on conflict and those same mechanisms I use in the office with teams on conflict and they succeed there too. Um So I I evangelize about that. And and Lucid's given me a place recently because our products help people who have all sorts of different brains collaborate even more effectively together and um, overcome some of the challenges that might be there just through conversation or meeting. But like the visual capability, the collaborative capability creates alignment that might be harder to get to otherwise. So I love that those parts of my world are coming together. And my um, my kids are kind of proud that we're helping people in so many different ways and maybe creating a world that's better for them.
0: Awesome. Rightfully. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I'm glad that you're doing that work and can tell that it's life giving for you. And this idea, too, is like it's just in your spirit of I found a way to help. I found a way to help solve uh, you know, some of the um, challenges of the people are immediately around me I can apply those more broadly. So good that I feel like that's a, a another kind of good full circle piece here as we wind up. Uh, Brian, if people want to learn more about you, the work that you do about Scrum, Agile, uh, obviously Lucid, where are some places that you might send folks to follow up on this conversation who've stuck with us all the way to this point?
1: So, we give them a gift. Well, I'm probably most active in LinkedIn, and I'd love people to connect with me there. And um, I blog within our blogs within Lucid. And so that's a great place to check out as well.
0: Awesome. Uh, what's the main website for the suite?
1: Yeah, start with lucid.co.
0: Cool. Um, We'll link that up in the uh, episode description. Of course, we uh, put all of these in YouTube as well. You can find those links. He is Brian Stallings. Stallings, exactly how it sounds. Brian with a Y. I am Ethan Butte. Last name is B-E-U-T-E. Hit us both up on LinkedIn. Brian, thank you so much for your time and continued success to you.
1: Ethan, thank you for your time and for making a dent in the world who's trying to understand what is the role of a chief evangelist?
0: Yeah, it, it like you, it, like it lit me up. People were asking me about it. I had some answers, but on all of them and everyone has different answers and that's kind of the fun and the challenge of all of it. So um, it was a joy to learn your story. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of Chief Evangelist. Thank you for joining us and thanks to Ringmaster Conversational Marketing for helping bring these episodes to you. With any thoughts or questions about the Chief Evangelist role, message me on LinkedIn. I'm Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N-B-E-U-T-E. For show notes and more of these conversations, visit chiefevangelist.com.